But I'm back with episode two of the Hetero Hour. That name really is just not <laughs> applicable to movies at all. Um, but I mean, who knows? I mean, in a week or two, this could not even be a movie podcast anymore. It could just be uh, just me talking about stuff. Who knows? This is uh, it's free form. We're just keeping it loose. We're keeping it kind of chill and, you know, exploring and just right out in the weeds here. Um, I was going to talk about Videodrome this week, but by directed by David Cronenberg, of course, director of Dead Ringers and Scanners and a bunch of other just fantastic movies. I'm a, I'm a big Cronenberg guy. And instead... I've switched it up on you guys, and I do apologize. We'll get to Videodrome uh, one of these days, but I want to talk about Infinity Pool. It just came out. I went and saw it on opening night because I was really excited about it because it was directed by Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David Cronenberg, who did a great movie a um, year or two ago. It was a couple years ago called Possessor, which I love that movie. And we'll probably talk about that movie here too. Just kind of make it sort of a double feature because it's kind of hard to just sit there and talk about one movie for an hour. Um, we'll probably talk about both of them because I think I think they're both kind of companion pieces in a lot of ways. Um, and there's going to be spoilers. I, I There's no way I can talk about either one of these movies without getting into spoilers for both of them. Um, I could probably talk about Possessor and be okay, but Infinity Pool, I mean, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to tackle with Infinity Pool, and I just can't really dive into it without getting into at least some mild spoilers, so I don't think any of the spoilers would hinder your viewing experience of the movie necessarily, um, because there's no way I could even put into words exactly what happens in Infinity Pool, but if you are planning on going to see Infinity Pool, uh, go see it first and then come back and listen to this, you know. I don't want to hinder your your cinema experience by any means by being a Spurg and talking about it, so this is going to be a spoiler warning for both uh, Possessor and Infinity Pool, um, but we'll, we'll probably be very light spoilers into Possessor. And uh, pretty heavy spoilers for Infinity Pool because there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot. It's a lot to tackle. And I'll just warn you guys straight up. If you are um, sensitive, if you have a weak stomach, um, these are probably not the movies for you. If nudity and gore upsets you, I would not recommend either one of these movies because... They go to the absolute extreme as much as they can. And what's crazy is, is Infinity Pool um, apparently has an NC-17 cut that I didn't know, but that wasn't the one that was released in the theaters. But I will say this too, you're probably not going to miss much. If, if the director's cut of Possessor uh, was any indicator, honestly, I, I like the theatrical cut sort of better in a lot of ways because... Uh, I think the director's cut of Possessor really just added some extra gore, um, which don't get me wrong, like gore and and the extremities that these movies depict, 
it's necessary. I mean, it's part of the storytelling and it's part of the message. Uh, I think that that Cronenberg is is trying to portray to the audience. It's much much like his father would. I mean, you, you look at Scanners, for instance. I mean, the movie opens up with a guy's head exploding uh, in graphic detail. Probably the best head explosion ever captured uh, on camera, to be honest with you. It's, it's so dope. You've probably even seen the gifs of it uh, on the internet. It's famous. It's everywhere, you know. If you've ever been on 4chan, you've definitely um, seen the Scanners head explosion and, uh, man, really like father, like son, because he goes balls to the wall, quite literally, uh, in in both Possessor and in Infinity Pool. But I don't imagine we're gonna really missing much from the, uh, the NC-17 cut. So, not too worried about it. But if you, if you have a weak stomach or... If, if you don't like extreme nudity and gore, um, I would shy away from both of these movies. Um, I'd skip them and just listen to me talk about them because, I mean, I'm the best, right? And they are, I think, important movies, both of them, because they do have social commentary in them. And I know, I instantly, I know my audience here is listening to this. And they're just cringing. Like, you hear the word social commentary, you're just like, oh, fuck. You know? Ah, <laughs> oh, here we fucking go. But I think with the Cronenbergs, I wouldn't necessarily say that the Cronenbergs make right-wing movies. That's not the case at all. But what I do think that they do is they make anti-left-wing movies for left-wing people, which just so happens to appeal to me as a right-wing person. Now, it's not going to appeal to everybody on the right, obviously, but they do. They they sort of tackle a lot of very progressive ideas brutally. I mean, brutally and, and very head-on. Um, and, and sort of deconstruct them, I, I think, with a lot of their films. I mean, Videodrome, uh, I, I was going to talk about that this week. I, I'm not going to get into it too much, but I mean, the themes there, I mean, about, you know, pornography, extremity on television and violence and sex. I mean, um, and, and sort of this different twist on it with his son, Brandon Cronenberg and Possessor and an Infinity Pool. I would say um, both of those movies really work together because to me, Possessor is sort of a commentary on modern femininity. That's a hard one to say. I don't even know if I got that right. Um, and Infinity Pool is almost a commentary on <laughs> modern masculinity. I mean, these two films really do kind of go hand in hand. And... They tackle a lot more than that, but I think those are two of the core themes, at least the way that I interpreted both of those movies as a sort of, I guess, right-wing person. Maybe that's not the intention, um, but this is just the way that I I sort of took it in. Um, and I guess we should start with Possessor first before we get into Infinity Pool, because probably, I'll probably have a lot more to say about Infinity Pool than Possessor, but... Um, Possessor is a very cool sci-fi movie. It's, it's, it starts off, I mean, the premise is pretty simple. Very almost Inception-esque. 
Uh, it's about these sort of assassins, these like corporate assassins, very like cyberpunk-esque sort of uh, geopolitical landscape in that in this movie where, you know, these these corporate assassins get hired to essentially, you know, assassinate um, a CEO or a board member or, or something like that. They're hired by another corporation, like a rival corporation to take out, you know, a board member or something like that. And uh, the way that these assassins work is that they have they, – they are able to essentially um, – possess people, you know, and, and oftentimes, uh, sometimes they're able to possess even their target um, and manipulate them into, um, you know, doing things like, you know, death by cop or, you know, just as an, as, as an example to make it, you know, seem as if they just like lost their shit and, you know, they might sign over their will and stuff like that. It's, I mean, you know, really out there. And uh, the story of Possessor is, one, is about one of these corporate assassins who... Uh, is a woman. She's got a a husband and a, and a child, and she sort of gets addicted uh, to her work and sort of loses herself in her work. And uh, to me, it's almost like a uh, sort of a commentary on the the sort of girl boss culture um, of of modern day society, where this woman's be, be, sort of becomes so addicted to the to her work. Uh, that she ends up basically causing the destruction of her family, quite literally, um, at the uh, at the end of the movie. That's spoiler alert, by the way. Um, I told, hey, I told, hey, I warned you there was gonna be spoilers. Okay, I warned you. Um, just deal with it. Um, but yeah, and uh, the thing I really liked about Possessor is is I mean not only the storytelling and the and the acting and stuff like that, but I just like the 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 setup, or I guess the 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 environment, the this the world that this takes place in. It doesn't get too big into like world building stuff, um, but there's like little touches that are like really cool and really neat. Um, like all of the technology in the movie is like kind of like it's like retro futuristic sort of. Um, everything's very analog and everything's very. Um, like you, you almost get a sense of like very almost alien esque type vibes from it. If you if you kind of remember the what the technology there looks like, it's almost like eighties seventies sci fi is is kind of what the feel of this movie is. Um, and you don't really know what time or decade this movie is taking place in either. Um, but all of it's like really cool, and there's just like these cool little touches uh, throughout the movie, like um. Uh, there's a, there's a scene where you see these people and they're like scanning through people's homes with cameras in, in order to like manually identify what kind of products that these people are purchasing and um, in order to like basically target them for advertisements and stuff. It's almost like, you know, SEO, Google uh, type advertising stuff, but it's all very, like I said, very hands-on because there's like human beings sitting there and like targeting what, you know, oh, got this brand of curtains or, you know, um, stuff like that. All just like really cool. Very, um, like I said, organic almost. It's like almost organic technology that's that's kind of prevalent throughout the movie. And even like the, um, the technology that they use to possess people, like um, it's not just like they just hop in their heads or whatever. They have to like kidnap these people and 
um, you know, and, and, and inject them with something. And then uh, the possessor will put on this like he- this helmet and they're like strapped into like a like a like a hospital bed. And and then they, you know, they they control the person and uh, it's all very organic. Like I said, it's it's plugged in. And I always thought that that was like a really cool part of the um, the movie. And, and that's, and that's the thing, the thing with, I think the Cronenbergs in general is this sort of, uh, almost transhumanist, but it's not, tra- it's not like pro transhumanist. Okay. Like it's like very, very anti, uh, transhumanist, um, in a lot of ways. I mean, if you look at, um, like David Cronenberg's like crimes of the future that came out last year, which is great. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it, it kind of sort of deals, I mean, really almost any Cronenberg movie you, you look at, whether it be Brandon or, um, David, I mean, they, they really do touch on this, this almost anti-technology bend of this sort of meld between humanity and, and technology and how, uh, perverse and sort of evil it is because it, it always tends to be the sort of downfall of every main character uh, in their movies, whether it be Videodrome, whether it be um, Scanners or, you know, Infinity Pool or uh, Possessor, you know, it, it's uh, it's almost like, you know, like watching a Cronenberg, like, all right, I get it. Yeah, technology is fucked up and weird, okay? I, yeah, I get it, okay? But they, they managed to do an interesting twist on it every time that you've really never, ever seen before. And... It's it's it manages to remain fresh even though it is sort of kind of the same message that's prevalent throughout their all of, all of their work, like it still stays fresh because they they're just such visionaries when it comes to, um, the the technology that's being used and how how they're being integrated in with the with like I said the organic side the 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 meat, if you will, <laughs> meat's a very accurate descriptor here because it feels like a lot of the people in these movies are just meat you know they're not even human. Uh, by the end of the movies, half the time. Um, but Possessor, especially, I think, did a really good job of um, tackling not only the these sort of evils of the of this sort of organic technology, but also dealing with themes of family and, and modernity with, um, you know, not, not just like women in the workplace necessarily, but just this idea of, of these sort of, um, careerists who get so addicted to their work because I mean, essentially what happens is, is that in this movie, she, she gets sort of addicted to the violence that she's, um, uh, you know, inflicting on other people. And, you know, and especially there's always there's always this sort of like bleed through after she you know she gets done possessing someone and it's like she has to like sort of teach herself how to be herself again um, after after every job and so she's I mean she literally loses herself um, in her in her work and it had cost her her family at the end I mean uh, essentially what ends up happening is the the main target of the movie that she ends up possessing sort of kind of uh, fights back and, and she kind of sort of loses control and she's still stuck um, in his, in his body. And it's because, I mean, you know, there's, it kind of goes into a lot, but there's a, there's a sort of mental breakdown that she sort of has um, because of it. Cause again, she's sort of like losing herself and, uh, and, and just the imagery in the movie is just fantastic. The direction of Brandon Cronenberg is, 
really top notch. I think I think he's only got three movies under his belt. I think it's Infinity Pool, Possessor, and um, Antiviral, which I haven't seen that yet actually, but I'm definitely gonna go check it out very soon. Um, but I mean, his camera work, his his direction, his vision is is very unique. And you don't really see it a lot. It doesn't even feel reminiscent. I mean, it it feels very different from uh, his father, which I think is probably intentional because, I mean, I think a lot, I mean, not, and I don't mean this as an insult at all. Um, a lot of these movies, like I think Possessor and Infinity Pool, like if they, if you were to tell me that they were directed by David Cronenberg, I would not be shocked at all. The, the apple doesn't fall uh, very far from the tree, but Brandon does have a very unique um, vision in terms of the the cinematography and the and the sets and the, uh, the 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 camera angles and and the pacing of his films that I, I think is that really differentiates himself from his father in a lot of ways uh, and it's all very unique and very refreshing. Um, there's a there's a very just cold and brutalist tone um, throughout his work and uh, it's depressing. <laughs> I if you're looking to have a good time at the movies, no 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 don't don't go see a Brandon Cronenberg movie. <laughs> Um, don't go see a Brandon Cronenberg movie because you're just going to be probably depressed and confused and, and just lost in thought after, after seeing one of his movies. But, uh, you know, they're challenging. I think a lot of people don't like to be challenged anymore when it comes to seeing movies. I think with the accessibility of being able to just watch a movie on your phone or, you know, just hitting a couple buttons on your TV and watching something... I think movies went from being an activity to a sort of uh, leisurely pastime almost where people tend to just, you know, throw something on Netflix that they're familiar with and play on their phone and, you know, kind of keep it on in the background. And unfortunately, I think through that, people have lost the desire to be challenged or to have to think or use their brain whenever they're watching a, a film, which is really unfortunate because there's so many great movies. And I guess that's sort of the purpose of this podcast, right? Is to talk about some of these challenging movies and, 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 uh, and, and, and I say challenging. I mean, it's not like you have to be a rocket scientist or anything like that to pick up on this stuff. It's just, you know, it's, you, it, these are just movies that require your full attention, I guess. And, um, it's not asking much for people to just sit down and watch a movie, but apparently it is because um, we just don't get a whole lot of movies that do that anymore in the theaters. Most of the time when you see like a, uh, a movie like that, you have to dig deep on something and rent it from Voodoo or something like that. But uh, yeah, Infinity Pool, though, somehow made it to uh, national theaters and I think it's pro you know probably because it's January and January is notorious for just being the shittiest month uh, for movies to come out um, but man what a diamond in the rough infinity pool was I think we should just move on to it because I can't I can't stop thinking about it honestly it's such a it's this is gonna be a beast to tackle I don't even know how to describe this movie to people um, because when when you when I try to describe it to somebody, I realized I wasn't doing it justice at all um, because there's just so much that happens and, and there's so many different themes. I think, you know, usually uh, with like Possessor, there was there was a few different themes in that movie. But uh, really, I think the, the biggest 
two or three was was this sort of idea of uh, this commentary on femininity and in, 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 in the workplace and you know sort of losing yourself in your career and 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 um, and then you know of course the the technology aspect of it and getting getting sort of lost in that but with infinity pool man I mean I can think of like five different things that are going on and they, and they all get fleshed out to like the perfect degree um, I mean I'll, I'll just attempt it I'll just attempt it so uh, the movie stars uh, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Mia Goth, uh, both do just an absolute fantastic job. Everybody in this movie does a fantastic job. Like they, they you know, the performances are fantastic. Um, it's really weird too because Al- Alexander Skarsgård does not speak all that much in this movie. Uh, he barely talks, honestly, which which is very strange because like this is our main character. But I think there's, I think, I mean, first, I think there's a sort of point to it. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, you know, the silent protagonist, you know, it's a lot easier or like, you know, Link from Legend of Zelda, you know, it's easier for you to sort of insert yourself, um, into a character when there's sort of this kind of blank slate, you know, not to say that there isn't like, that, 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 that he isn't a character. I mean, there's definitely, um, character there, but I think, uh, there's there's a good portion of the movie where he, it's probably a good maybe 30 minutes or an hour he barely says anything at all um maybe a line or two here or there but he's he's he barely talks um and i think that's intentional i think the point of that is to sort of um let you as the audience member sort of insert yourself in his position a little bit um even though he's i mean just kind of the worst guy <laughs> <laughs> to get into spoilers here, he's kind of a piece of shit. Everybody in this movie is kind of a piece of shit, um, really. But I think that's sort of, you know, like I said, it's intentional. It's supposed to be uh, kind of the point. And it's not to say you're not sympathetic towards uh, the main character. You know, you sort of understand why um, he's a piece of shit, I guess. But he is a piece of shit. And... It also, I mean, it, it tackles it tackles that. It tackles him being a piece of shit kind of head on. Um, but, I mean, essentially the movie's a, a story about a guy. He's a novelist. He hasn't wrote a, written a book in six years. And he's married to a very wealthy woman. They go on, you know, this uh, vacation to this resort in this sort of like third world country. Um, and uh, so he can get some sort of inspiration. And... Uh, Along the way, he, he runs into someone who's read his book and kind of starts hanging out with this couple. Um, and then he they leave the safety of the resort to this sort of third world nation and uh, he commits a crime. And this crime is punishable by death uh, in this third world country. But there's a loophole. And this is kind of the, the big hook of the movie is that um, if you are wealthy enough, you can buy a clone of yourself to take the place of, uh, take your place and to be executed, uh, in your place. And, uh, so that's, that's sort of the, the hook of the movie is, um, uh, he gets a clone, he gets cloned and, um, he gets executed and he watches himself die, essentially. And uh, then the movie sort of, that's when, uh, 
That's when the, da- the 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 movie sort of descends into, I guess, madness, uh, which is, I think, the only way to really place it, uh, or the only, only real way to phrase it, I guess. Um, because, and this is where we're going to start getting into, like, real spoilers, by the way, uh, just a little bit, and again, for a little bit of a spoiler warning. Um, so he ends up getting sort of trapped in this country um, because he loses his passport, and uh, so his wife leaves, and he ends up hanging out with this rich couple who introduce him to other people who have also been, you know, cloned and, and killed, uh, essentially. And then he gets sort of introduced to this idea that, well, there's really no consequences for <laughs> committing crime here. I mean, we can essentially just get away with anything. We can go fucking murder somebody. If we wanted to, we could break into someone's house and, uh, you know, we could beat the shit out of somebody. Like, it doesn't matter because uh, we'll just have a clone um, take the take the punishment for us. And, you know, they also sort of start to get off on watching themselves die. Um, You know, well, at least the main character does, Um, because he's kind of a pathetic guy, really. Uh, he wrote a book six years ago. It didn't, it wasn't very well received. It, nobody really bought it. Um, and he's been sort of just mooching off of his rich wife, uh, whose dad just happens to be a, a publisher, right? And, uh, that's how he ended up getting his book published. Um, and he doesn't really stand up for himself. I mean, his wife sort of is like making fun of him at the beginning of the movie and, and, and mocking him, and he just kind of sits there and laughs it off and takes it. I mean, he's sort of like a pathetic guy. He's a pathetic person. Um, or at least, you know, a pathetic excuse for uh, what we would consider a man. You know, it's, it's oftentimes, you know, the man is supposed to be in charge of, of, of the family in the household, and it's not the case at all. This guy just gets kind of walked all over, you know. And it was sort of through this, this act of um, watching himself die um, is when he sort of, this switch sort of flips in his head. And, um, and that's sort of like the theme of the movie is, is really, I mean, the cloning stuff is, is definitely a big part of it. And, and they really go into the sort of ethics of cloning. Um, but, but really the, the movie is about emasculation. Um, I would say that's the biggest theme of, of the movie for sure. Um, and not only that, too, I mean, there is this sort of narrative of, oh, the rich can do whatever they want, and uh, they, they really pay no consequences. And I know some people will probably get turned off by that, because it is like a tired narrative, right? This whole eat the rich thing. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, I, the thing that's been kind of interesting the past few years, I think, is that there's been a lot of different takes on on that sort of trope of eat the rich, like Parasite, for instance, I think was a, a good example of this, where you, it's such a tired trope that you watch a movie like that and you sort of, ex, you, you sort of think you know what the movie is and it sort of plays on that trope, right? And and that's kind of the hook of Parasite is that uh, it, it's playing on the familiarity of that trope. And, and so you kind of let your guard down because you think you know what's going to happen, but as it turns out, it's like, oh, well, Maybe the poor people are actually pieces of shit too, you know. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this movie does that, at, at, you know, at all. But it does sort of play around with that, with that trope a little bit of this: all the wealthy are rich and they can get away with whatever they want. 
Um, and uh, it, it's they definitely don't beat you over the head with it. I would say that's one of the really the minor themes of the movie, really. Um, but the way that they tackle it, I think, is very interesting and fascinating. You know, with the with the idea of just buying a clone and watching um, yourself die. And there's, I mean, it, the other thing is too. When I was watching the movie, I was sitting there like as soon as they got to the cloning thing, I'm like, ah, well, what if? What if like the big twist of the movie is that it's the clone that survives and the real one dies? And, you know, and I was like, oh, that's going to be kind of lame. That's going to be kind of a lame twist if that's the if that's the case. But they tackle that pretty head on, like almost instantly, um, not maybe five or ten minutes after the cloning thing. They sort of uh, tackle and address it. They don't really lay it out for you. Um, I mean, there's still like, you know, some sort of speculation there. You still don't really know if, if the, um, the real one is alive and the, or the cloned one is alive, but it also doesn't really matter, I guess. Like that's sort of the, the, that's sort of how do they address it? They kind of just get it, you know, they know it's going to be on your mind and they, they address it and they're like, we're just going to move on. It doesn't really matter, um, at the end of the day. So I, I really like that. I like that they just got in there. It's like, nope, all right, listen, doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Um, that's not the the point of this movie. The point of this movie is to um, sort of tackle hedonism, uh, the hedonism of the rich and the, you know, the sort of extremities that, that these people will go just in order to get like a thrill. And... Um, and also just this, this act of emasculation because... As it turns out, you know, all these people he's parting with, they're like, hey, uh, you know, we've all been cloned too, and we can basically get away and do, and do whatever we want, so you should come with us, break into this guy's house, and we're going to steal this metal from him because he fucked me over or whatever in the past. And so they go, and they do that, and they end up shooting somebody and killing them and, you know, stealing a bunch of shit, and uh, so they get executed again. They all get away with it, you know, no problem, and then... Uh, the main character ends up starting sleeping with Mia Goth and it turns into this big, huge sex orgy that's like drug fueled and uh, really like crazy and wild and evil looking. It looks menacing almost. It's just like it's not a it's not like erotic at all, really. I mean, uh, even though they, I mean, they show everything, too. I mean, full penis, vag, everything in the works. But none of it is depicted flatteringly at all. <laughs> it's all depicted as just sort of gross and you feel just like icky i guess that's the best way to describe it you feel like icky watching it um and then uh you know he lost his passport so he's trying to get his passport back and it find they find you know the the rich people his rich friends tell him hey look it's this detective He's the one that's holding your passport. Let's go fuck him up and show him a lesson because that's how you do things around here, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a show of strength, you know? You got to prove yourself that you're the man in this situation. So they end up going and kidnapping this guy and he's got a bag over his head and the main character is drugged out of his mind and he starts like beating this guy, you know, with the bag over his head and he's just beating the shit out of him and everyone's cheering him on and telling him, you got to prove that you're a man, and then they take the bag off, and it's a clone of our main character instead. It's not this uh, detective at all. And he starts freaking out. Starts freaking out, and, uh, you know, because he's essentially just beating himself, you know, to death almost. 
and uh, you know he runs back to his room, and they, you know, they he's like, I'm, I'm going to get out of here because as it turns out, our main character, being the piece of shit that he was, um, actually just hid his passport, and he wanted to stay and get rid of his wife, so he could you know fuck around with Mia Goth and have sex with her, and um, you know live this sort of hedonistic lifestyle that he's never really been afforded uh, before. And so he, he goes and he uh, he tries to leave and all of his rich friends come and find him actually and uh, shoot the window out of his bus and tell him, you're not leaving. You are our plaything for, for the remainder of our trip. And actually, we never gave a fuck about your book. It's garbage. And we just wanted to fuck with you basically this whole time and, you know, you you uh, you are our our toy, our pet, our dog, and uh, it was a really great scene where Mia Goss sort of riding on the hood of this car, pointing a gun at Alexander Skarsgård while he's walking down the road, and she's just reading him all like this bad review of his book. It's just like pretentious, trite, garbage. Nobody liked it. You're like less than a man, you know. And uh, he ends up getting away, but he gets shot, and uh, this poor farmer um, uh, family ends up taking him in and, and, and sort of nursing him back to health a little bit, but he gets out and what do you know, the rich people found him and he can't get away. He can't leave. And, and this is sort of the, the peak of the movie, I guess, and what really solidifies the point home is that they bring out a, another clone of him on a leash like a dog and this thing is like savage and feral you know and it's just it's it's a dog essentially i mean it's been totally just had its mind i guess destroyed it's been just completely emasculated to the point where it's just nude and on a leash being walked around barking and uh they're telling him you have to kill him this is for your own good you know you have to kill this clone of yourself that you know we're going to we're going to make a man out of you, you know. And that's sort of the whole theme of the movie really is um you know this sort of idea of emasculation because this main character has been emasculated by his wife, uh by his father-in-law, he's he gets emasculated by these rich people. Um you know, it, it's it's just he's he's weak, you know. And that's why I think like I said this movie is such a good pairing with um Possessor. Because both of them are kind of commentating on the same thing, really, which is this, um, the idea of the masculine woman and the idea of the, of the emasculated man. Um, and they're, they're, they're both really good sort of companion pieces to one another, I think. And I think that's why I wanted to really talk about them, because it, it, it was just like, I went and watched that movie and it just sort of like clicked Right. I was like, oh, man, OK, like these these two movies really like would you know work together almost as like a double feature because um, it, it's it's kind of the theme of both of the movies is this sort of an inverse of the the traditional gender role. And not only that, too, but I mean, the you know, the technology and, and, and the commentary on that as well. Um, but both of these movies deal with and tackle head on to the to the utmost extreme Um the masculine female and the emasculated male, the feminine man, if you will. Um, because, I mean, he does, he ends up beating this dog version of himself to death. 
at the end of the movie. And after that, after he does it, he's covered in blood and Mia Goth comes over and uh, he's crying, you know, he's just crying and weeping and Mia Goth breastfeeds him. Um, and, uh, you know, almost as if she's, uh, this sort of mother figure now to him. And, and that's kind of the other theme of the movie too. It's like, um, uh, he sort of just has his leash handed off. Um, it's not that he ever gets removed from the leash. I mean, cause essentially he is that dog though. I mean, and that's the, that's sort of the beautiful symbolism of the, of the, the ending of that of him beating that version of himself to death because that that's really who he is 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 that dog on a leash you know whether it be his wife sort of emasculating him and holding his leash you know at the beginning of the movie um and then he meets his his next owner which is Mia Goth you know and she ends up basically taking over the leash um and he he just he never really rises above any of that and and even you know even at the the, the end of the movie sort of ends ambiguously it kind of leaves a lot uh you know to to wonder because they all end up just leaving you know they're like hey great trip we're heading home now bye and he's sitting in the airport and he just decides to stay for some reason and uh you know you can make a lot of guesses i think my guess is you know, at least my interpretation of the ending is that he's, um, you know, he, he sort of did feel free in that place. Um, he did sort of feel, he, he had the illusion of freedom for a little while there, which he hasn't had in a long time. And instead of, you know, returning home to his, 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 you know, I guess you'd say his former owner, his, his wife, um, he just chooses to stay. And, um, you know, sort of emancipate himself from both of his owners. Um, that's, that's sort of, I guess, my, my interpretation, um, of the, of the ending of the movie. But I mean, you could also interpret it, you know, that he just feels lost without an owner, you know, his Mia Goth leaves and she gets on a plane and goes back to, to LA and he just, he, he's so controlled he's so used to being told what to do and and so used to being you know on a leash that when she's gone he, he's just completely aimless you know like a dog and uh so he just goes back to what's you know familiar to him there i don't even but i do think i think the the my first interpretation is probably the correct one but that's the beauty of these things right there is no correct um, interpretation of it. Um, and, and I'm sure if you guys watch it or if you have watched it, you probably have your own interpretation as well. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that nice? You know? Isn't that nice that we just don't know and we'll never know and we can just think for ourselves and put these things together? It's fantastic. Um, but, man, I gotta say, too, the, the visuals in this movie are really out of this world. Um, you, you're not gonna see a, a movie that looks like this in a, in a long time. I mean, um, there, there is like these sort of horrific nightmare sequences, um, that are shot just so beautifully. Um, and, and really just, he, he just goes off for a little while into just total abstraction. Um, and, and, and those are really unique 
shots and 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 uh, they have these these masks, these sort of like traditional local masks, and they just look like like almost like lepers, almost like very fucked up and distorted faces. And they're very unique and they're very cool and very unsettling. Um, the whole movie is like very unsettling. I mean, from the uh, from the offset of the movie, because and I, I, I don't even know how to des- describe um, sort of the opening of this movie, but like um, it shows them sort of walking, you know, through the resort, and then the camera just drifts off, and and into these sort of weird angles. I mean, but they're they're not like it's not like a harsh. Uh, sort of angle. It's just very like fluid and loose. Like the camera's just sort of like rotating above and in and, and complete asymmetry. Very hard to describe, but I mean, you, you just sort of feel like you're just floating above this place. You, uh, it really stood out to me uh, pretty heavily. Uh, the, I mean, the filmmaking in, in, in general, I think Brandon Cronenberg's really demonstrated himself to be a, uh, a really master of his craft with this one. I mean, um, the the cinematography was beautiful. The score, I think, uh, Tim Hecker did the score. The score is fantastic. Um, very unsettling. Fits the there's there's a sort of ambiance uh, to the film that just constantly leaves you just nervous. And that was kind of the the general feeling that I had throughout the whole movie because I was like, man, where the fuck is this going? <laughs> like, I'm I'm it, which is a good feeling though. You don't really feel that a lot. Um, in movies anymore. I mean, you, you, you know, there always comes a certain point in a movie where you're like, okay, now I see where we're at, but you don't really get to that point in the movie until, uh, 75 or 80% of the way through. I mean, you're sitting there watching this and, and and you really don't even understand the main character's actions. You're like, why the fuck is this guy doing this? He's like, you know, the first time he gets executed, he's like, sort of like laughing about it. He's like smiling. And his wife tells him, it's like, how, you know, how could you just sit there and watch that? You know, and it kind of is sort of like a last act of um, emasculation, you know, just to really hammer it home that she, she sort of just dominates this guy mentally. Um, but you're, you're watching, he's like, well, I, and I didn't understand. It's like, why is he, you know, why is he smiling? Why does he, he get off on this or whatever, and then you, you cut to the second time he, he's watching himself get executed, and he's with the the rich people, and they're and they're all just like laughing and having a good time, but he's laughing like a little bit harder, I guess, than than everybody else is, a little bit more intensely. But then it it sort of makes sense. You're like, uh, it's it's an it's for the rich people. They're they're laughing at their at their own, I guess, decadence. You know, they're laughing at. Um, at the fact that, you know, they, they got away with it. You know, they just murdered somebody and completely got away with it. And they just enjoy the show and the spectacle of it. But for him, it's a, it's a different meaning entirely because he has this sort of self-loathing. And so this idea of watching himself die, um, he, he enjoys because he hates himself. He hates who he is. He hates the fact that he can't write another book that he has writer's block. He, he hates the fact that he's, he's owned and he's, uh, he just, you know, he has low self-esteem. He's, he's emasculated as a male. So he's watching himself getting executed and, and he thoroughly enjoys it because he hates himself. And then, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just dumb, but that wasn't really clear to me until 
probably around the you know the second time when you see him, he's sort he's like sort of maniacally laughing about it, you know. And I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get where where they're going with this um, a little bit. And uh, and even then, I mean, you you don't really know where the movie's going exactly. It's just this sort of like slow buildup of like decadence um, and and extremity throughout the movie. I mean it. It starts off, you know, pretty pretty mild. They're just like drinking and having a good time, and then, you know, the first clone dies, and then they're again they're drinking some more. But now they're doing maybe a little some more crime, and then it starts to get into like drugs, and then it's sex orgies and things like that, and it's just a slow sort of build up, you know. And and then once you realize like these these people aren't his friends, they're using him as like a toy, as a dog, as a they he is essentially their pet, um, especially Mia Goth's pet and and her dog um, for the trip, you know, because that's how like decadent that these people are, is they can just find you know find someone and, and make them a dog for the for the remainder of the of the trip for them, you know. And uh, just for, for their own amusement, that's how sick and, and you know, sort of um, disturbed these people are and, and how out of touch they are with with reality through their through the excesses of their life. Um, but you don't really get that until you're about like 75% of the way through the movie. You don't, you know, you just think he's just partying with these people and, and he, he's sort of just like, you think it's almost a sense of like, um, he's try like he's trying to reclaim his own masculinity through decadence, you know. He and he sees these other people doing it, and he he thinks that like this is the way that he's going to uh, reclaim his masculine, you know, his own masculinity. But as it turns out, he he's been a dog the entire time, and it just it crushes him at the end, you know. Um, and because he, you know, there's parts where he's he starts like, you know, when he when he. Un, unbeknownst to him, he's beating the shit out of his his own clone. Um, you know, he's like really like fired up. You know, he's like he's snorting the drugs and he's, you know, he's beating his chest and he's like roof, 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 and starts pounding this guy and he he really thinks that like this is he's he's reclaimed his masculinity because this is you know it's his perception that this is a person that's you know wronging him and he's going to be the man in this situation and show him and it's like maybe the first time in his entire life that he's ever been you know had the opportunity to be a man and then he just has the rug completely pulled out from underneath him because as it turns out it's not the person that he thought he's beating the shit out of himself um but man it's just a, it's a fantastic movie um it really is it's a really great commentary on on modern masculinity and uh, and, and I just I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it. I there was never a moment uh, throughout this movie I was I was bored or like it, it felt predictable ever. You know, um, and and like I said, like the synopsis of the movie really just doesn't do it any justice to me um, because it's it's so much more than than just this sort of like, oh, rich people are evil or whatever. It's it's really more of a commentary on, like I said, modern masculinity, um, which, you know, to me has been completely destroyed um, through the, the sort of, you know, female empowerment and the in the reversal of the gender roles. Um, well, and like I said, great pairing with Possessor, which is about the the empowered female, the the careerist female, and and how she essentially destroys her family through her through her own uh, addiction to her work. You know, um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't say these movies are inherently like right wing movies. I wouldn't say that these movies are, you know, our movies or, you know, or anything like that. There's definitely no like Christian message, uh, Christian message throughout the films or uh, anything like that. But they but they are sort of like anti leftist commentary for leftists. That's the best way that I could describe it. Um, Very anti-modernity in a lot of different ways. And, And I didn't even really get to touch on the sort of the ethics of the cloning um, because man, I mean, these clones, they die in such a horrific way um, and, and it's brutal almost. Um, and, and, and really there, like I said, there's a sort of brutality that runs throughout the Cronenberg's works, but it, um, you know, and it's, it's full on display here. Um, you, you know, watching these people getting their throats slit while they're crying and begging, you know, um, and, Watching them just get gutted, literally get gutted, or uh, it's just um, it's it's pretty disturbing, you know, and it and it kind of just uh, highlights a, a sort of a, I think ethical problem that that could arise um, once we reach a, a point as a society to um, start experimenting with human, human cloning, which I think we already have, to be honest with you. I'm, uh, I, I don't think that that's uh, a myth or anything like that. I don't think that, I mean, they've been talking about human cloning for decades. We've been able to clone animals. Um, there, there, there's already been work underway in China to be able to, um, alter the genetics of babies. Now you're going to start having these sort of, um, fashion babies, if you will, where parents are going to start, you know, picking out the, the specific genetic traits that they want their child want or removing certain genetic traits that they don't want their child to have to be born with. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think human cloning is probably something that is, that is well underway. I don't know how, you know, it's supposed to be illegal. I mean, there's supposed to be treaties and, um, you know, all sorts of things against it, but I mean, that's never stopped people from, you know, I don't know, manufacturing a virus that takes out uh, a certain percentage of the population. So, um, it's just a great movie though. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's, and you know, it's just very hard to go see a movie nowadays that isn't like adapted from a book or is a remake or a sequel. This is a movie that is an original vision by a, what I, you know, I would consider a visionary filmmaker. You know, this is a, an original story. Um, and, uh, you know, you just don't, you don't get that too often a written and directed in a, in a major movie theater, it isn't like adapted from something else, you know? Um, and I think that alone is just worth supporting. But, you know, on top of it, it's just it's just a beautifully shot movie, very well acted, great score, um, great plot, incredible pacing, great editing. The, the, the visuals are, are fantastic. And I think it's got a great commentary, um, both about, you know, the progression of human technology, but also the 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 sort of emasculation of the modern day male. Um, so it's a big treat. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And uh, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, <laughs> a lot of nudity, a lot of nudity in this film. I mean, they, they go balls to the wall. I've never seen a vagina, like just a bear right there in your face, vagina um, in a, in a major cinema before. So that was pretty shocking. I'm very glad that the theater that I went to go see it in was damn near empty. There was maybe you know, maybe like 10 people in there, including myself. Um, and everybody was pretty well spaced out. So 
Um, yeah, it was a little awkward, I guess, but, um, yeah, it was, it was weird. you know, just Mia Goth's full pussy on display. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of nudity, a lot of nudity. Um, there's a cum shot in the movie. Um, apparently what I read in the NC-17 cut, they actually, you, you just see, it's like, um, if you ever seen like Ichi the Killer, you just sort of see it splat on the ground. But, uh, apparently in the NC-17 cut, you actually see, uh, the, it, it shoot right out of the penis, apparently. Now, and I'm sure it's like probably like a prosthetic or whatever, but, um, yeah, apparently you just see, you know, which is like, do you really need to see that? It's not like, um, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think Brandon Cronenberg has, uh, uh, a good editor and he has a good mind for editing out those things. Um, but he also, you know, he does make them and, you know, like I said, extremity is part of it though. Uh, depicting the, the extremity of the movie does, I mean, you, it, it would feel muzzled, I guess. The message of the movie would feel muzzled if it didn't sort of depict the, the, the extreme violence and nudity and, uh, the sort of depravity, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it almost does feel sort of mandatory, but I do think he sort of like goes over the line just a little bit and I think he had, but he also think he has the the brilliance to realize when he does do that and sort of edit this out and like well we'll just put this in like a director's cut or something it's I don't think I don't think those shots would necessarily take away from the movie uh, or anything like that but I don't think they really add to it either I mean it was the same thing with Possessor um, because there's a director's cut of Possessor and, and, and really it just added more gore and violence um, but it didn't it didn't really need it I don't think I mean it wasn't um, I, I didn't feel like I, I would miss anything if I didn't see, you know, a guy getting his eyeball plucked out with a, one of those like fireplace poker things. Um, I think that's what it was. If I remember, I haven't seen Possessor in a, in a year or two, so I'm a little bit fuzzy on the details, but, um, yeah, you, you don't really need to see that sort of stuff, but I think, I think with the, like the R rated cuts of, of his movies, he finds that sort of right balance to where it, it works. Um, and I know I know some people in my audience would probably say, like, oh, you don't need to show that at all. And, you know, maybe for you or, or whatever, maybe you're maybe you're right. But I to me, I think showing the sort of uh, dep- depravity of these people on full display and, and showing it right to your face is, is um, it, it not only sort of adds to the tone of the film um, and, and sort of the, the, the cold brutality of, of the of the world in which all of these people inhabit but um it, it, it's also just there to to sort of rattle you I think as a viewer because again none of this none of the nudity in this movie I would say is depicted very um erotically it, you know you feel like you, you know you're su- I think you're supposed to feel gross when you see it and I did you know I mean I'm also like you know I'm not really a, a big old coomer. Uh, or anything like that either. I'm not like, oh wow, pussy, that's awesome, or anything like that either. I mean, I tend to, I tend to sort of shy away from that stuff, anyways. Um, but even like the the tone of the movie and the way, in the in the in the tone of those scenes, um, it's supposed to be depicted as gross and, um, and so I, you know, I think it works. You're supposed to have sort of an adverse reaction to the to the nudity. I think you're not supposed to like it. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, which I think that's a feed in of itself because I mean, how often do you, you know, do you see a movie that is sort of depicting sex and depravity in a, in a bad way, in a negative light? 
um, which is something that I agree with and, you know, with my own sort of morality, right? Um, you just don't see that very often. And, I, and, and so, um, yeah, I'm glad that was in there, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I understand, too, people, people just don't want to see that in general sometimes. This is an uncomfortable movie. You're not going to feel good after you see it. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be thinking a lot, probably, being pretty confused. And, um, you know, trying to just dissect what you just saw. Um, but I think, I think if you're looking for something unique and, um, original, and if you're looking to, to feel uncomfortable, if you're looking to, um, see something that you've, that you'll never see anything like, um, definitely check out Infinity Pool. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's definitely right now for me. Um, a contender for for movie of the year. Uh, if this came out in, in last year, it'd probably be my movie of the year last year, for sure. If this came out in 2022, this would be my movie of the year 2022, for sure. Um, I really, really liked it. I liked it. I actually liked it more than Crimes of the Future, um, surprisingly enough, which is, you know, David Cronenberg, his his father. So, uh, yeah, huge shout out to Brandon. I think, I think, um, he's definitely earned my loyalty as a, as a director and I'll go see anything that that man's made. And I, I've never seen antiviral, so I'm definitely gonna go back and check that out now. Um, because I mean the one, two punch, I think of possessor and infinity pool, uh, just fantastic. I mean, possessor is a movie that really stuck with me too. And I think these, I think if you haven't seen either one of these movies, great double feature, great double feature. Cause like I said, I think they both complement each other very well. Um, both in tone, but in, but in, um, sort of the message. I mean, sort of, sort of a yin and yang sort of thing. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's it. That's my review of infinity pool. I promise I'll get to, I'll get to video drone. Cause that's like, I love, I love that movie. Long live the new flesh, you know, I promise I'll get to it, but, um, I really wanted to, I don't know. It's just like infinity pools, like so fresh in my mind right now. And I just, I had to talk about it and I don't want to talk about it on my stream because, you know, spoilers and everything like that. But if I put out like a podcast and I'm like, Hey, spoiler alert, you know, we're talking about this. Uh, I don't feel less bad about it. Oh shit. My cigarette went out. Hang on. So yeah, that's, that's it. That's my, my talk about Infinity Pool and uh, Possessor, both great, great movies that I thoroughly enjoyed. Check them out. Um, I think next week, I was maybe we'll do Videodrome next week, but like I really have an idea for sort of, a, I wouldn't even necessarily say like a specific movie, but we're going to talk about um, a genre of movies that, that, you know, and we're going to talk about like the Sigma Male movies, I think. Like American Psycho, Drive, Joker, you know, um, those Taxi Driver, you know, etc. I, I want to talk about those movies, not not uh, really talk about the movies themselves, because I mean everybody's seen every single one of those. What else could you say about those? Um, but I just want to talk about really that whole genre and why it relates to people so hard and why people have the reaction that they do. Um, to those movies and the, you know, he's just like me, you know, that, that sort of, uh, culture and also like the reaction to that culture. Cause like, I've noticed a lot of people have like a sort of negative reaction to that culture too. And, uh, I, so I kind of want to talk about that next week. Um, cause that's been something that I've been sort of churning over in my head, uh, a lot. And I know that's not like anything profound or new, but, um, I think I have a, I think I have a pretty unique take on it that, 
you know, maybe different from what you've heard before. So I think that's going to be sort of next week's episode. Um, I, I, and I do want to get some guests on at some point to record this thing with me and uh, talk about maybe their favorite movies and stuff. Um, but I kind of want to lay the groundwork first before I start bringing on guests, you know. I sort of want to lay the groundwork for the format of this, which is basically just me talking, you know. I ain't no, that's not, this isn't like a high concept show or anything like that, but, you know, give people a little bit of time to get used to it and get adjusted to it and start listening, so... All right. Anyways, um, yeah, we hit an hour. We're in. We're we're in the fucking pocket here, my guy. We fucking did it. So we got an hour in. Thank you guys for listening. Like, subscribe, share. I don't know. I don't even know how you support a podcast on Spotify. But yeah, you know, just uh, listen to it and tell uh, other people to listen to it and let me know if you like it or not. You can follow me and, you know, all the... I wouldn't say all of them. You can follow me on like Instagram or uh, Telegram or cozy.tv slash Beardson. Uh, yeah, let me know what you think, man, if you guys like this or not, because it's like, I don't really get any feedback, uh, from, from doing this, so let me know. Let me know if this is something I should keep up. I like doing it, though. I think it's fun. And it lets me, it gives me an outlet to be, like, less autistic on the stream. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have to, like, go on an art ring for, like, an hour or whatever. Less profitable, but, you know, it's, it's a little bit more fun. I like it. So, anyways, alright, love you guys. Bye-bye. Go watch some movies. Bye.